0: Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetary.org. Now, here's this week's message. We want to ask you this morning to grab your Bible and turn with us to the book of Acts. We're going to start a little Christmas series next week, but as we finish out the month of of November, wanted us to be able to get back into our, our Book of Acts series and finish up chapter 15. And uh, if you're joining with us online, we want to welcome you during this time. You can get our notes by going to org, and uh, you can comment below. Let us know where you're watching from, and uh, definitely give us a thumbs up or uh, share our, our time together. We would greatly appreciate that. One of the things that I noticed when I was on the road for Thanksgiving is I noticed sometimes these drives are pretty long, and it's nice to have something to listen to. Sometimes music is good, but sometimes having something to listen to, I don't know if you're aware, but we have all of our sermon series that are online. You can get them as a podcast and get them on iTunes or Spotify or all major places that that podcasts are listened to. And so if you need something to to listen to, or perhaps you even miss one of our times together and you're at work and you're able to listen to these things, you can go and you can just look up, you can find our church logo. Look up Memorial Baptist Church of, of Metairie and you should be able to find it. Today, we're going to talk about passion. We're going to talk about passion. And that's things that, that is so important for us as believers to have passion. We're going to see two guys that were so passionate, so passionate about the gospel, so passionate about Jesus. And nevertheless, there was a conflict. And there was stuff that it really wasn't able to be resolved in a way that we think it should have been able to be resolved. But I'm going to show you this morning how God was still in control of everything that was taking place. Before we get into that, I have a uh, I was reading a story this week. I thought it was so funny. Uh, it was about two men who lived in a, a small village and they got into a terrible dispute. I mean, they could not figure this thing out. They were, con- they were at each other's throats and, and they were just going back and forth and back and forth. So finally what they did is they went to one of the village elders One of the wisest village elders, he had lived a long, long time. And and the first one came to him one day, told him the whole story, told him everything from his perspective, told him his version of what had happened. And when he finished, the wise elder looked at him and said, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, the man felt pretty good about himself and so he went away and the next day, the other man who was in this dispute came in and he told this wise old elder everything that had been, taken place and the wise old elder heard his version of the story which was very different and don't we always know that? That there's two sides to every story and they're usually just a stark difference between the two and so he tells him the, the, the story and the wise old elder looks at him and as he's hearing this, he listens to the whole thing and he says, you know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And so man felt good about himself and left. Well, as you know, good, wise old elders, the reason they're wise old elders because they have wise wives. And so his wife got onto him. And she looked at him and she said, she said, listen, you, she scolded him, scolded her husband. She said, these two men told you two different stories and you told them that they were absolutely right. She said, that's impossible. They both can't be absolutely right. To which the elder turned to his wife and said, you know what, dear, you're absolutely right. Sometimes we think that conflict shouldn't happen in the church. Sometimes we think that conflict shouldn't happen. And folks, we live in a world where we're surrounded by disagreements and conflict. Even Christians are going to have moments of conflict. It's something that we should anticipate. It's something we should think, okay, if this happens, how should I handle it? And in today's passage, we're actually going to see how the Apostle Paul and his missionary companion Barnabas, who we have been talking about over the past several weeks, that they have spent tons of time together on the mission field, and they are going to get into a heated argument. And today, as we get into it, I've got a lot of things that I want to show you, a lot of different verses that I'm going to show you, uh, some maps that we'll be able to look at. Today might feel a little bit more academic, but I think as we look at the whole story that you're going to be intrigued and you're going to be able to say, yes, I see what God was doing even in the midst of their conflict. And it seems so bizarre. Uh, First and foremost, even before we dive into our passage for today, is because Barnabas had gone to bat for Paul. Uh, After Paul's conversion, you remember Paul, you know, you know, formerly known as Saul, but like he he was the killer of Christians. You know, he sought them out. He wanted to throw them in jail. Well, after his conversion in Damascus. You know, he comes back down to Jerusalem wanting, you know, to have fellowship with the disciples, wanting to say, hey guys, we're on the same team. How do you think they reacted to that? Not very much at all. In fact, they were, man, you, you need to stay away. Have you ever been in a place like that where someone might have hurt you? And then, you know, they say, Man, I've I've had a life change or whatever. And you're like, okay, that's that's good. But nevertheless, you wanted to keep an arm's length because you hadn't developed a trust. Trust is something that's not just given, it's something that is earned. And so, Barnabas of all people, though. Was the one that actually went to bat for Paul. Let's look up here on the screen just so you can see it for yourself. In Acts chapter uh, 9, verse 26, it says, When Paul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Well, they were afraid of him. They didn't want anything to do with that since they did not believe that he was actually a disciple. Maybe he's trying to be all covert and say that he's a disciple and then he's gonna have us all arrested. Maybe that's what he's going to do. In the next verse, check this out though. It says, Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles, someone that they could trust. This is a good guy. This is a guy this is who, who became his future companion. And they explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and how the Lord had talked to him. You see Barnabas had the nickname the son of encouragement. So it almost doesn't make sense that the son of encouragement and the apostle who who was converted after being stopped in his tracks of seeing Jesus himself that these two would have a falling out. Second reason that it seems so bizarre that they would have a falling out is it is that they had been on their first missionary journey together. They had traveled together. They had faced adversity together. Many scholars believe that that their first missionary journey that we've been studying over the past several weeks was from A.D. 46 to A.D. 48. So at least a year and a half to two years that they have spent together. And remember, they did the Jerusalem. They went on the Jerusalem Council together. They slept on the ground together. they, They shared the gospel together. They faced attacks together. And so what happened? What happened between these two? If you got your notes this morning, I I put in there what one commentator said about about how Christians disagree. He says, Christians disagree. Kenneth Gangle said this. He's a Bible commentator. He said, Christians disagree and even separate at times. But ultimately, God works everything out for his own purpose. To think God could actually be up to something in the midst of a disagreement. And that's where I want you to join me this morning is in Acts chapter 15. And we're just going to read a few verses right here, starting in verse 36. It It says right here, After some time had passed, Paul and Barnabas said, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. This is a noble thing. They're wanting to go back and see some of these churches and go to some of these places. They want to encourage the folks. Now, here's where things get sticky. Look in verse 37. In verse 37, it says, Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. We'll talk a little bit more about who that is here in just a second. But Paul insisted that they should not take him along. This man had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them To the work. So there's this element of desertion. And so in verse 39, it says they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas. Remember, Silas had traveled with Paul from Jerusalem in that Jerusalem council and had come up to Antioch. So Paul chose Silas and Silas and them departed, being commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening those churches. Now, we don't know the reason But back in Acts chapter 13, about two chapters back, we see Paul and Barnabas. They're on their first-minute missionary journey, and John Mark just leaves. We don't know why he leaves, but he leaves. And and it's so bizarre because in, in, in... Acts chapter 12, we actually see, do you remember when we covered the story of, of when Peter was miraculously, how he miraculously escaped from jail? And when he miraculously escaped from jail, he went and, and he found some of the believers that were praying in Jerusalem. And so he was knocking on their door and they didn't believe it was him. Do you remember us covering that story? That was actually John Mark's house that they were meeting at and praying together. So we know that he was a, a passionate guy. We know that he has some of these things. But I want you to see, uh, back in, uh, chapter 13, and we're going to show you up here on, on the map here, is this was, uh, Paul and Barnabas, Bar, Barnabas's first missionary journey. But right about here, let's show them that, that, uh, yellow arrow right there. We can pull that up here. Is it up? There we go. And so right around there in Pamphylia, where you can see that, that, uh, that city of Perga, uh, for whatever reason, John Mark left. We don't know why. We don't know if he flaked out. And, I mean, that kind of gives us an idea that he might have, that he might have gotten nervous. We, we just don't know. And he goes back to his home in Jerusalem. And Paul is pretty frustrated about this. He felt like John Mark had had left them, had deserted them. And so Barnabas says, I would like to take him. And Saul says, I'm not having it. And so they, they don't come to a compromise. They don't even come to an agreement. And they wind up going their separate ways. Now, I apologize. I am a mapaholic, and so I want to show you the the different directions that that they went this morning. So you have uh, you have Barnabas and John Mark. They go to Cyprus, the island of Cyprus. Cyprus was actually Barnabas's home. That's where he had come from, so he knew the lay of the land, and so he brought John Mark there. And then uh, Paul and Silas they go the other way to encourage the churches that they reached out to at the end of their missionary journeys. And so, where do we go from here? What what can we learn from this. And I I think that there is a, a danger here. Someone could easily read about these two godly guys and come to the conclusion that this is normal, perhaps even righteous, perhaps that we should even do the same thing. But here's what I want us to understand, that just because the Bible describes something, it doesn't mean that it's prescribing something. We live in a cancel culture that says, not only do I want to boycott this person, but I want to absolutely ruin their career. And folks, that isn't right. That is not of God. We live in a culture of of divorce and and where people will will split over all different types of of reasons of of just saying that I'm leaving you. And just to kind of give you some statistics here, 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 50 percent. 60 percent of second marriages end in divorce and 73 percent of third marriages end in divorce. Researchers actually say that that a divorce if you take all the the different times that it happens and you add it up in a year happens every 13 seconds in the United States of America. Isn't that, isn't that crazy for us to, to think? And this is why it's so important for us to get this right is because someone could read this, they could read the Bible and they could see this split and they could say, well, well, then if they did it, two godly men, then surely I, I can do it too. But is that really the case? I don't think that it is. Here's what we need to see. Here's what we need to see. If you look in your notes right there, I've got in green, it says both parties had an intense passion. These were two passionate guys they were two passionate guys they were both guys they were super passionate and they have gone head to head with sorcerers they have healed people in the name of jesus they had sacrificed years of their lives because they were so passionate and here's something that i want to teach you here this morning you can't teach passion i went to seminary for nine long years and I'm telling you, a lot of times people will go to seminary or they'll go to you know some type of Bible college and things like that. And they're thinking, I'm going to come out of this so fired up. And then they come out and they're lacking passion. You can't teach passion. It's just something that God does through the power of his Holy Spirit in your heart. And if there's anything that we can take away from this is say, these guys were passionate. And if there's anything that we want to emulate from the life of Paul and the life of Barnabas, as we read this here today, as we say, I want their passion. Both parties had an intense passion passion and these guys had it. So even with their, their disagreement, uh, they were absolutely sold out. I want you to see this morning over three things. And this is where I want to make sure that even if we disagree, if you and I or if, if church, if Christians disagree, and a lot of times we think, well, well, that shouldn't happen. Well, sometimes it does. But even if Christians disagree with one another, let's make sure That we are absolutely sold out to the same three things that Paul and Barnabas were absolutely sold out on. So here's the first thing both parties had an intense passion, a passion for the gospel. Write that down. Passion for the gospel. I've seen Christians get in disagreements and get so wound up about it that they actually fall away from God. Have you ever seen that happen? Just think, man, there's nothing that breaks a pastor's heart to see people get get in such a disagreement that that they begin to fall away from God. The gospel doesn't mean as much to them. you know, instead of driving them towards God, instead of getting on their knees and praying and saying, God, I need you to intervene in this situation. God, I need you to work in the midst of it. Help me to understand what you're doing. But sometimes instead of running towards God, they run away from God and a person, you know, that person gets in between or they allow that person to get in between. And just let me tell you, this is ridiculous. It is ridiculous to let something happen with someone else and you fall away from God. That's like me getting in an in a argument with my coworkers and then going home and sleeping on the couch, you know, instead of with my wife. It's like whatever happened at work, I, I brought home and, and then, and then that, you know, caused a rift between me and my wife. It, it's, we can't allow things that happen with other people to affect the gospel and our relationship with Jesus. These guys were so passionate about the gospel. It was like a fire in their soul that would not go out. They were so passionate about Jesus. They were so passionate about his death, burial, and resurrection and the way that it radically changed their lives that they weren't going back. I'll prove it to you in Romans 1 verse 16 and we'll put it up here on the, on the screen. You might even consider writing just that reference right there in your notes right next to that note. But it says, this is what Paul says. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first for the Jew and also to the great. He says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not giving up on the gospel. There's power in the gospel The gospel changed his life the gospel changes our life and so for an argument to have us fall away from God that that is that that's entirely Satan wins Satan wins when an argument makes us fall away from God Don't let him have victory in your life. So no matter what we go through as brothers and sisters in Christ, it it can never get in the way of our passion of Christ's transforming power that comes through the gospel. If we disagree and lose sight of this, then we are truly lost, and so I'd say with that, speaking of the lost, the second thing that both Paul and Barnabas were, at, uh, were absolutely passionate about, first was the gospel. The second thing is they had a passion for the lost. Write that down. They were so passionate about the gospel that they were also passionate about the lost. Check this out in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. This is what, they, this is what Paul says about, you know, about his preaching. He says, for if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast because I am compelled to preach. And woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Woe to me. He was so passionate about the loss. He says, it actually hurts me to not preach the gospel. Woe is me. Grieving. He says, Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. It hurts me if I don't preach the gospel to the lost. So Here's what we want to consider as we think about, man, this bizarre passage of them, you know, splitting and going separate ways. If any disagreement, conflict, or even an opinion causes us to lose sight of the fact that people are lost, and if they don't find Jesus, they will go to hell, that's a problem. We've gotta make sure that we are always keeping our eyes on the lost and that we are not ruining our witness and that we are always making sure that we are going after them. I've seen this happen so many times. I've seen it happen in entire churches. There might be one little group and they have this agenda. They've got this little agenda and, and there's some disagreement and you know who gets hurt? The lost. The lost get hurt. Nine times out of 10, this is, just, this is just 20 years of church experience. Nine times out of 10, it, when two people get into it, they can't, you know, they're not keeping the gospel at the forefront of their mind. They're not keeping the lost in the forefront of their mind. They're just keeping an agenda in the forefront of their mind. Nine times out of 10, both parties wind up leaving. Well, I can't do this. And both parties leave. And you know what? But in the aftermath, the ones that heard all of that junk, they are the ones that are hurt the most. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And we gotta look at a passage like this and say, no, we're always gonna keep the lost in the forefront of our mind. The third thing that I want you to see uh, this morning is that both parties had an intense passion for the church. They both had an intense passion for the church. They had intense passion for the gospel. Had, they had uh, an intense passage for the lost. And now they have an intense passage uh, passion for, for the church. Both Paul and Barnabas loved The church, you know this, not a church building, the church, not an organization, the church, an organism, family, brothers and sisters in Christ, people that they had won to Christ and that were now were were pursuing God, the people of God. They saw the church in many respects as their spiritual children. And in, in fact, I want you to see how Paul expressed his love. One time he's in prison and he can't get to the church. He can't get to the church. And so he's writing to the church of Philippi in Philippians 1.8. Look at this. He says, for God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He loved the church. First Thessalonians 2.17 It says, but as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, but not in heart, look at this. We greatly desire to make every effort to return and see you face to face. Even in the midst of of Paul and Barnabas having having this conflict, two passionate guys, they were so passionate about the church. In fact, they, they were so passionate about the church, that's how this whole thing started. Well, Look back with me in verse 36, in the middle of verse 36, it says, this is how the whole conversation starts. Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town that we have preached the word of God, uh, we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. In spite of their disagreement, these two guys were passionate about the people of God. They were passionate to see them grow. They were passionate to see them encouraged. They were passionate to see them freed from sin and from false beliefs. But it's unfortunate that I've seen brothers and sisters in Christ and disagree and leave their church and never return. They never turn Sunday after Sunday sitting at home not even finding a new church hear me folks Hear me, those that are watching online. And if you can't find a church, even if it's here at Memorial, find a church to plug into where you can be around the people of God and grow. I love what, what Mr. Riggs said. We had all these grandparents' days several weeks ago, and Mr. Riggs would look at that whole crowd of people, and, and he would say to them, he said, if you, if you've already got a church, you can't come to our church. But if you don't have a church, I want you to be right here on Sunday morning. Some people led a disagreement or something years ago, something that's happened years ago, and they're still not going to church. They're still not being fed. And you and I both know, let's just talk turkey this morning. We had turkey, but let's just talk turkey this morning, okay? You and I I both understand that if you are not growing, you are declining and so when you are not plugged into a church that you are declining, it's so important for you to use your gifts. And even with Paul and Barnabas, even with this disagreement, everything that was taking place, they still were so passionate about the church. Now, here's the bottom line as we get into this. I know that all of y'all are probably thinking you got it right here in your notes. I, I, I kept reading the passage over and over and over. And I thought to myself, well, which one was right? Right? Which one was right was was Paul right? was Barnabas right? I mean which one was right? in fact, you know who won? you know we always kind of have to have a winner who who was the winner in, in in this argument? who was right? was Paul the one was right? was Barnabas was the other one you know was he was he right? Did they never speak to each other again after this? Well, I'm so glad that you asked because later on what we actually find is that Paul writes approvingly of Barnabas's ministry. He writes about Barnabas's ministry. After they had split, he had gone into uh, Cilicia and Syria and Pamphylia, all of that, Galatia, as he's talking to the churches. And Barnabas went went down to Cyprus, went to the island of, of Cyprus. Paul later on writes of Barnabas's ministry, and he's approving of it. You can look it up in 1 Corinthians 9, and he, he, verse 6. And so he absolutely hadn't let this conflict make him lose sight that his brother in Christ, who labored so passionately for the gospel, the lost, and the church, was actually doing a good work for the Lord. He commended his ministry. It's not like they never talked again. Even later on, John Mark, listen to this, John Mark, because all of this was surrounding John Mark. You know, the beef really wasn't with Paul and Barnabas. The, the, the beef was with John Mark. Paul actually comes back later on, and he makes a comment about, about uh, John Mark being a, a valued co-laborer for the gospel, when uh, when he was writing to the church at Colossae, the, the Apostle Paul, we'll actually put this one up on the screen. I want you to see this. Uh, sometimes in Paul's letter, he, he gives a lot of theological information, but there's also these times that he just gives personal information. And this is one of the things in one of his letters, just personal information towards the end of the letter. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner sends you greeting as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin." And that's important to understand that Barnabas was there for his cousin. We understand that Mark and and Barnabas uh, were family. Concerning whom you have received instruction, if he comes to you, welcome him. So we know that somehow Mark and the apostle Paul had made amends. In fact, uh, he later writes, Paul later writes in 2 Timothy 4, 11. This is, 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter last letter. He says he says only Luke is with me. And then he's writing to Timothy. We'll actually meet Timothy when we come back in chapter 16. He says bring Mark with you for he's useful to me in ministry. Does that look like guys that never talked again? Does that look like guys that that say, "You know what? We're done. We're over this." Does that look like guys? No. That looks like guys that are passionate about the gospel, the lost, and the church, and God naturally brought things together as the ministry went on. And and if Mark, and let's just be honest, if Mark was such a bad guy, then why do you read his gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, the same one, John Mark, that they had argued over here was the one who penned the gospel of Mark. And so if he is, if he's such a bad guy, then then why would it be even, even considered? So so I even come back and I say, so who was right? Was Paul right? Was Barnabas right? We pose that question in who won the argument, who won the disagreement? Write this down. God was right. God won. You say, Pastor Dan, that's the Sunday school answer to everything. How dare you put that on our notes? But we've got to think. Higher. We've got to think clear. Nothing happens outside of God's sovereignty. You see, here's what the devil was trying to do the devil was trying to use this whole circumstance for evil was trying to use this whole circumstance for dissension. We even saw that with the Jerusalem council, with the Judaizers. Remember that? The Judaizers came up and they're saying, you know, they go up to Antioch. They say, everyone's got to, you've got to do these Jewish works in order to be saved. I mean, they had, the devil is trying to, to, to split company. I mean, he's trying to cause all kinds of dissension, but God was in the process of using even this situation for his good, because these, these men, they never lost their passion. They never lost their passion. And because they were able to go different directions, listen to me, they were able to do double the work for the Lord. God wins. Even in the midst of that disagreement, God one God spread the gospel he 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 continued to use their passion for the gospel for the lost and for the church and what I want us to take away today especially as we go into this season of uh, of Christmas sometimes families it is so great for us to get together sometimes not so much Sometimes it is difficult to get together with family. Sometimes it's difficult to get together with friends. I want you to keep this heavenly, God-centered perspective in your mind, especially as we go in to this next month in the Christmas season that we're spending time around people and that people might be frustrating us and people might be getting on our nerves and we've got all these different things to do. I want you to keep this in your mind that God is bigger His ways are higher, and his purpose is deeper than us. God won. The the, the gospel was advanced. The souls were saved, and more churches and believers were uh, encouraged because God won, splitting the work so that more ground could be And so for us, I want us to consider this because disagreements and conflict are going to happen. I'm not going to paint over this and act like they won't happen. They are going to happen. But always keep in your mind, always keep in your mind, not to lose your passion for the gospel. Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he has saved your soul. Don't you dare let that go. You never lose your passion for the gospel. You never get over the cross and the resurrection. You never get over that. You're so passionate about that. And you're passionate about the lost. We don't gloss over the fact that there are people all around us day in and day out. We are brushing shoulders with them. And so many times we can get so passive about this. Even I can get passive with the busyness of life and we just let the lost slip by us. Don't lose your passion for the lost and don't lose your passion for the church. God has given us a church. It's his bride. It's his wife. He loves the church. He cares for the church. And so maybe if there's someone within the sound of my voice and you say, you know what, I've kind of given up on the church. You know, whether I don't understand the organization, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm people say all different types of things. Maybe you've been hurt in the past. Don't give up. Be passionate about the church. What God will inevitably do when we keep the passion the same is that He will divide the work and God will always wins and he will use you and he will use me to spread his kingdom. Let's see that happen, not just this Christmas season, but even as we move into this next year, God, we want you to win in every area of our lives.